that's a cool, that's like a really neat contribution because that's something that one, you actually use Two, you're giving back to a project that you use quite a bit and has allowed you to make some money in your life. And like, that's the dream behind open source is that people one build things to fill a need, but also by contributing back to projects that, that help them. It's, the circle of life. We are on lucky episode number 65, 13, 42, 87, 13, 13, huh? It's the 14th episode. Too bad it's not Friday. I really hope that that's you right. I don't up. actually know. We're not looking at, we, I got to look at. It's on my website. It's in front of you. Go to social, hit command shift L because I haven't made a command shift P yet. Type social, hit the down arrow. No, the other thing I'm working on. Okay, so we're on episode 12, which is actually lucky number lucky number 13. But it's not Friday. It's not Friday. That's okay, though. I don't, I don't think 13 is that lucky, uh, that unlucky, excuse me. Mm. I think we should have waited till October, not recorded anything till October, did Friday the 13th on October. I don't think it would have mattered. Is there a Friday the 13th this year? Do we know? Do I don't think, think it matters. Do you think I know the times, I know. The calendars? It'd be easy. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that's... Uh, is that the kind of thing that you could use something like Moment or Day Picker to figure out a date FNS? Do they have that kind of thing? Like, tell me if there's, you know, how many Tuesdays there are in I'm February I'm sure there's this year. Friday the 13th this year.js. That could probably help. If it doesn't exist. I bet that's actually a pretty popular, pretty popular package. Because that, if, trying to write that from scratch would be surprisingly involved. Not with Moment. Trying to calculate how many Friday the 13th there are in any given year. You just iterate through all the days or whatever. All yeah, the, but that's, all the, that's what I'm saying. Iterating through days. You could literally probably get all the 13ths of the entire year. It's an array of 12. Which day is later? December mm. 1st or January 21st? I, I don't want to do this. This is my point is that dealing with dates is a Well, it is problem. if you don't use moment or date functions, but if that's you what use I'm one of those, then it's trivial. That's what I'm saying. Is that dealing with dates is hard. So I know. I'm very appreciative yeah. of libraries like Moment, libraries like Date FNS. FNS. FNS, that's what it's called. Evanescence. 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 Or is it like shorthand for functions? I don't know. It's short and it's date functions. I just call it FNS because I feel like it's <laughs> easier to say. No, I say date functions because that's what it is. Oh, there are a bunch of functions date around functions. dates, like <sighs> format. Yeah. Well, oh, man. you failed. Oh, man. Lucky number 13, guys. 13th episode. Yeah, you're starting off strong. Greg, what are we talking about today? Uh, Destiny. You want to talk about Destiny? No. I'll I talk. do have a little bit of follow-up actually from last week's episode. Just a tiny little bit. So you brought up a thing called Nuclide last week. The thing with Adam. Yeah. So I went to go look up Nuclide uh, to add it to our show notes. Let me read this out real quick. It says property of Facebook Inc. If you use this, you agree that all of your code will be transferred to servers to parse to figure out all the text that's in your program. Just kidding. I was so I went to Nuclide.io. Yeah. Retiring the Nuclide open source project. Yeah, because they probably don't use Atom anymore. A few years ago, we introduced Nuclide to provide a first class IDE experience. We've made tremendous strides and it's been an amazing, it's been amazing to see a 
your robust and hackable text editor really come alive with language services, debugging, source control, and code inside features. There's like three more paragraphs. I'm going to skip them. I'm going to skip down to the last line. We are extremely grateful for the contributors, feedback, and support we've received from the community, especially GitHub's Adam team that helped us get to where we are today. This is as of December of 2018. We missed it by like a couple months. Hmm. What are they doing now? What is Facebook using now? Did they tell you? I don't know. I don't, this is not the kind of thing that they would announce something like that on. Hmm. Maybe. Well, that sucks. Yep. So just a little bit of follow-up there. I thought your follow-up was going to be like, I went to the internet and I found that everybody who actually writes real code doesn't use IntelliJ. I'm sure there are. I actually do know a lot of people that are very much about all the JetBrains products. JetBrains. Which we've been, we've been secretly asking JetBrains to sponsor us. I don't know why they would because we give them so many shout outs for free anyway, but... I think that we give shout outs to like almost everything. Yeah, I do. Gatsby. Contentful. GraphCMS. JetBrains. Any Jet other beans. ones? JetBeans. 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 Spring MVC. Spring MVC. Jet well, beans. I mean like not specific open source projects necessarily, but companies that make money. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of weird. It is weird. Well, I mean, you, you could have, you know, we talk a lot about things that don't work. So then when it comes to something that does work, we're like, we're so, amazing. We're so happy about it. It's something that works. It makes us so excited. Yeah. What's something in your life that's working really well for you right now, Greg? Hmm. Cannot be destiny related. Branch out. No, Destiny's not working out for me right now. Oh, it's not? I haven't gotten a single item that I want from the game. That's luck of the draw in though. two weeks. Well, uh, you usually get something. There's to only an extent. There's literally three items that I need in the entire game that are exotic and I haven't gotten them in weeks. Can, can someone like gift them to you? No, no one can gift. You can't buy them. You can't do anything. Mm. Yeah. I even tried to do Warden's Law. Did you get Warden's Law, which you get from the Warden of Nothing Strike this weekend? I did it like three times all above like the threshold of the amount of, there's an amount of points you get from a nightfall and the higher points you get, the more likely you already get the drop. Interesting. Never got the gun. Yeah, that's interesting. No warden's law for me. So it fires two bullets. So if somebody, Didn't if one it. of our listeners say had this gun, they couldn't like give it no. to you in the game. Nope. That seems strange. You can't well, buy it. Well, it's, it's probably okay that you can't buy it. Cause they then, want you to grind for stuff, which yeah, is the whole point. Well, games that allow you to just buy stuff, just become pay for play, pay, pay to win essentially. Well, I mean anyway. like, they had it in uh, World of Warcraft for a long time, but there were certain, the best items would bind to you directly and you couldn't give them away. So there's a way to do it. Like something like a Warden's Law that doesn't really matter, they could let you buy from somebody for maybe for silver or whatever, I don't know, create an economy. But then something like a thousand voices, they'd never give to you. Can't buy it, can't get it. It's an exotic. So they could do it. You can't buy skins either? You can buy skin. You can buy any. You can only buy cosmetics from Eververse. So okay. there's a couple pieces of armor that you can buy that are not as good as like the stuff you can get from the game because the ones from the game have, like the stuff from the Dreaming City has enhanced perks and you can't get that from anything else. That's very similar to what game. Riot Games does with League. Is that mm -hmm. the only things that they actually sell are only cosmetic, and that is by policy. That is, we want this game to be free to play and free to win. So they are very specific yeah. about the only things that you can actually buy from us are cosmetic only. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't make money on these because you have things like, you know, world championship skins, 
mm-hmm. right? Because those are based on whoever wins. That's what know, Overwatch very, does. Very they, limited edition things. You, you can, can still make a ton of money on You those. can buy the team's skins in Overwatch. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, yeah, they only ha- in Overwatch they only you can only buy cosmetics, but they make a ton of money on it because some of the cosmetics are amazing. Like when I was playing Overwatch, they had the Halloween edition, and I got the Mercy Witch. Ooh, the best skin that I well I have it on Ooh. PlayStation, which is annoying because I play the game on PC too sometimes. Well, I have it, and I don't have any skins on PC, but then on PlayStation I have like all like a lot of them. So it's like weird. It's just to adjust to, and you can't. Well, they don't really they don't really matter at all, but. You have like the cooler skins. Like I have some of the, some of like the best skins. Like I have the, um, what's his name? The, the Jekyll guy that like shoots the little grenade things. I have the one where he looks like Dr. Jekyll. Like all the good ones from Halloween. I don't know what his name is. Junkrat. Oh. Dr. Junkelstein. Maybe. Whatever it is, I have that. But some of the, some of the skins actually do dramatically change the appearance of the characters. Like, yeah. I think that the ones I've seen recently, all the Chinese New Year ones are, excuse me, Lunar New Year ones, uh, dramatically changed some of the characters. Like Reaper, his Lunar New Year skin, he's got like horns. He doesn't even have his cape anymore. He's got all kinds of like shiny gold armor. It's a pretty cool look. I like it, but I can see how it would be kind of distracting and like throw you off if you're so used to like a default skin or something that's just close to it. Well, everybody always looks different in that game. But the thing is like, if you don't buy that Lunar New Year skin during Lunar New Year, you either have to wait. Like Blizzard does it sometimes where like, the next Lunar New Year, you can get the same skins plus a couple new ones. Right. So they reuse content, but sometimes you just can't. Sometimes, yeah, they're limited edition. They're, limited edition. They're gone. So if you have them and you play, you play Overwatch for multiple years and you have this like completely unique skin that not a lot of people have that still play, then you're a gangsta. Yeah. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Greg, what kind of like code projects are you working on? Are you working on anything interesting? Anything out of the ordinary? Anything you want to tell us about? Hmm. I've been working on a portfolio site for a while. For oh, a man. You don't have one? No, never had one. Is it one of those things where you just kind of, yeah, I got to do that, but I just don't have time for it. I just never really cared to maintain one. You've been working pretty hard for the last few years, so it would be perfectly acceptable yeah. to be like, oh, I don't have time for that. I never had time for it. But Have you been trying anything new with this? Like, uh, I know a lot of people like to kind of especially devs like to just be super experimental with their personal sites because they're just like, oh, that's my personal site. I maybe want to take chances or take risks with it. Um, I mean, it's the first site that I've built because when I've worked on like all the stuff I've done in the past with Gatsby, I haven't been able to actually utilize Gatsby the way it was supposed to be utilized. So I've never, just the projects did weren't, didn't really lend itself well to having a backend consumed by the GraphQL portion of Gatsby. So I never really did that. I just kind of like used the server-side rendering part of Gatsby, the component rendering, all of that stuff, but not the API request portion of it. So this time I've been using Contentful and actually consuming it through the Gatsby GraphQL library and using the sources and all of that, um, consuming a couple components that I built. Like one of them was to consume the RSS feed for this podcast so I can pull in Ooh, nice. The most recent episode of the podcast to a certain page on the portfolio. Um, so I use the, the Gatsby uh, source RSS feed plugin. There's a couple of those plugins, right? There's one that you can actually generate an RSS feed from your Gatsby static site and then one that consumes an RSS yeah, feed. Yeah, I wanted right? to consume. I didn't need to generate one for it. Like I used the sitemap one because I wanted a sitemap. I used 
I turned off the offline one because I don't, well, I haven't decided if I you want. You don't want a PWA, Greg? It's always a PWA. It just doesn't, it doesn't cache the queries without oh. the offline one. Oh. Yeah. So it's always, it always runs in PWA mode, but um, yeah, I don't know. They, a lot of those come with it. And then I, what else did I do? Uh, I was using the Gatsby plugin SVG loader thing, whatever the heck it's called, where you can like load SVGs from the images folder and it'll actually pull it in as an SVG. Oh. Yeah, use that. That's interesting. I had to, uh, I opened up a PR against it because it would, there was a ticket that was open for, like it would it would freak out if there were certain uh, XML properties on the SVGs that it didn't understand. So I went in and figured out how to get those to filter out. I mean, he kind of showed in the, the ticket that somebody did it with an issue about how you could do that, but there was no way to actually define the filters that you would use to like strip out those characters. So I added that, PR'd it. Interesting. Uh, so what you're saying is that you, for being a good open sourcer, like we talked about in episode... I pretty much always, no matter podcast. what I do, every project I do, I always find at least like one thing that I have to open sorcery. So you're being an edge case machine? Is that what you're saying? No, this one, because it's like, the thing about it is like, you just end up using a bunch of static queries and I'm just like, I'm really committing to what Gatsby wants to do. But I find it's it's just the same things that I've had with GraphQL in the past that I like don't really like where the queries happen in the components either at like a low-level component or in a page. And then you're just supposed to trust that GraphQL is caching correctly. So like if two components request the same content, you just have to hope that internally it's caching it, which it may or may not be. In the past, I've learned that sometimes it's like with Apollo client, it doesn't quite work. That is the weird thing about static queries is that it's supposed to be designed specifically to be used within the component, but you're not... I don't really know if you should be doing any kind of queries in the component anyway. I mean, if it's only being like, for instance, that podcast one, the only place it's being used is in that component. So it's like, why oh, would I oh. request it? Like, say you did a whole Redux layer and you're like, oh, I'm going to request it in an action. Like, it's literally only used in the one place where it's displayed. Unless I were to make like, a, if like if it was actually a podcast site, like say somebody was making public function show, and they wanted to put like a player that's persistent across the entire site, for instance, and then also exists on a page. So like, you could play any episode of a podcast. Imagine a world where you could play any episode of the podcast from the play screen, from like the list screen. And then no matter where else you go on the site, it would keep playing in the top bar. Oh, like it's a little overlay or something? Yeah, I mean, even like that. Footer. Like I've seen this, I think SoundCloud does it, where mm -hmm. you can navigate away from any specific yeah, song and it'll still be playing in a player. Yeah, if it's a spot, it's just, it'll just keep playing the component in the footer or the header or whatever. And then that no matter sense. where you go, it'll keep playing. Like you could do that, but even then you're... So basically in that case, you're consuming the list of podcasts on the podcast page. And then you're also consuming that single podcast or a fragment of all the podcasts and then keeping it in the header as a piece of data. So it's like you could request the last 12 podcasts or whatever, 25 limited podcasts once and then use the single one in that component that's playing it and then just keep it persistent. Or you could load the most recent one in the persistent player and then load all of them on the page. But then GraphQL is going to treat those as two queries and it's not going to cache them the same. Yeah, that's weird. So I don't know. You have those kind of things. So I'm doing that. And then um, I built another feature that I showed you that I want to keep as my feature. Oh, yeah. No, don't. don't. They, oh, it's so good. 
That one. It's so good. No, keep that one close to the vest. We'll we'll until it's up, and then people we'll put it up, it. and then we'll we'll show. It. But he showed me a little little prototype of it. It's it it's pretty much done, right? It looked yeah. like it was pretty close to being done. It's so good. It's pretty cool. All so of I our that. all of our dev friends will enjoy it quite a bit. So, but yeah, when it's ready, guys, when it's ready. I did that, and then what else did I build? I oh, I'm pulling in. So apparently, it's not that hard to get from the GitHub API your previous history, like what you've been doing. It's just that it gives you the last 12 actions that a particular user has done uh, in like a, in a very interesting object that has different types of actions. So it'll be like, this is a comment action or a PR action. Oh. So you have to basically like parse these like 20 possible actions that you can do and then display like some kind of, to basically to try to rebuild your activity stream in your own component. Interesting. How, how is that data, or, is it organized in a way that makes it easy or is it kind of like... No, it's it's good object though. parsing hell. No, it's like a legit object of it's an array of objects where there's always a type. The type is in that like okay. PR action or whatever. And then if depending on the type of action, the body of the payload is different. So if it's a comment action, I'll tell you the comment. Are the keys different? I think they might be. Uh. No, but they it's like it's like one of those things where you're like switch action type. If type equals comment, then you know these are the keys. I mean, I get why they do it, but that makes that is one of those things that can you marshal every single person. action you can do on GitHub into one set uh, of keys? Booleans, booleans. No, I don't think you can. Like, anyway, I get I, it. It doesn't sound too bad. It's just sometimes yeah. I've, I've, you and I have both run into APIs that don't have consistent structure, and it becomes this one is consistent. Frustrating. Yeah, it's consistent, but I would say that it is. Uh, it, it. I did download the data, and I was looking at it, and I was like a little scared because I was like, oh man, I got to parse all that. I mean, not really scared, but just like. Like, oh man, that's gonna be fun. It's gonna take me like all day to parse it, and like, not all day, but like, it'll take me a while to parse it, figure out all the different types. It's involved. Out. It's well, hard. You gotta, it's more you gotta like figure out what type it is, and then figure out how to represent it on a view. Yeah, that's true. So then you, you're just doing a bunch of fronting because you're building a separate. Essentially, you're building a separate component to represent each type of action. So you build like an index action or a like a PR action. It'll be like, oh, Greg wants to PR this into this repo, and it was approved or it wasn't approved or it's pending or whatever. All that data is in there, but you got to represent that in a component. And then, if it's a comment action, you got to be like, "Oh, Greg commented on this repo. Create a link to it with the comment or whatever." So, does uh, it? How far back does it go? I think you can do as much as you want, but uh, the problem is you start running into rate limiting. So, like GitHub oh. will limit you if you don't pass your like a to like a client side token with it, because it's literally just a fetch request. I don't know if they have. Uh, as far as I can tell, I didn't look if they had an actual API, but I just did a fetch against their API for the activity of a particular user. Interesting. You don't even have to do it with uh, like a your payload with your actual like login or it's something. Just, it's just in the URL. It's a get request against Interesting. user. I guess it is public outpart. information, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's all public. It doesn't give you the private stuff unless you log in, I think, and then it might, but. Like if there's a piece of it, because one of the problems you have as a developer when you're doing like a portfolio site is a lot of your activity will be private. So you can't yes. really represent that. So if somebody goes a while ago, due to much protest, the original GitHub team, not Microsoft, before, uh, created like in the activity stream, it would show you this user contributed on this day to a private repository. Yeah, and they added and then, it back into the uh, the little calendar blocks. Yeah. Because the calendar blocks were super empty. super sparse for a long time because yeah. all I ever used it for was work. Mm-hmm. And everything I did was private. So I would go months without anything public in there. And it looked like I was just a lazy person who didn't do anything. Yeah. But no, I had 12 commits yesterday and I did six merges. And like, no, yeah. I need to show that. So now mine looks way better. 
But they had the little graph now too, right? The little uh, the thing with the axes. Yeah, and you can I think you can request those graphs. Like if you just wanted like your GitHub yearly contribution graph, like the scatterplot graph or whatever of the days, I think you can request that as an image from there. Oh, that's neat. I think from you could API. also do your own data viz with that, right? You can, but that's a new thing. That's the thing you thing, haven't done that much, right? The thing that I wasn't going to do with uh, my portfolio is I don't want I don't want to overstress like front end features, like design and data visualization and stuff. Cause it's not my thing. I that's don't really, fair. I mean, I'm not. It's not that I can't do it. It's not that I couldn't figure it out. But if I overstress the amount of like front end features, not features, but like front-end design and data visualization and creativity. Because the reason why I'm like passionately saying this, I've had this conversation with a few people where they're like, just make it look really pretty. And I'm like, well, no, that's, that's not, not what I do. That's the point is like, not the, point. the point is to build features that prove that I, like, because I'm going to make all the source code for my portfolio public. So people will be able to peruse my, peruse my portfolio and like, maybe it'll be somewhere on the page to be like, if you want, you know, if you're interested in my work, like here's the repo with this code right here that you're looking at. And like, you can peruse it, check it out, see um, and I don't want to just have like I don't want to have a bunch of plugins in there. Like that's one of the reasons why like I always wonder why people make portfolios for development work out of like WordPress themes or even Squarespace. You're like, okay, well, you built a square unless you're a designer. Why are you using a theme to build your portfolio site? You should be building it from scratch. At least change the color, guys. <laughs> I guess at minimum you can change the color, and then you can say you're a WordPress developer, which you can make. Th- it's not even pejorative. Like you can literally just make a living being a WordPress developer. You'll well, have yeah. work for the rest of your life. You'll be 100% fine. Yeah, it's fine. I just, for me though, like in for you, for instance, like I wouldn't build your portfolio out of WordPress. Like, No, absolutely not. You're an accomplished like front end dev. You should build it from scratch. Like what are you doing? So. I wouldn't, I, WordPress wouldn't be my preferred like blogging platform anyway. So no, I know. I just mean like, I guess what I'm getting at is like my point for the portfolio is to show the kind of work that I can do by demonstrating the kind of features that I would build. Some of them do use plugins, like uh, the, I have a built-in audio player that plays the, I could just use the audio tag, but this guy has Audio like players a play are with, tricky though, because yeah. Firefox and Chrome will literally render them completely opposite from each other. Yeah. The one in Chrome is like, a, like black controls on a, on a white background with rounded corners. Mm-hmm. And the one in Firefox is white controls on a black transparent background with square corners. It's literally, they're the complete opposite of each other. Yeah. It's like you built two different classes for them. So you have to kind of control that. I found that to be a little bit tricky because while I've been working on the new public function website, I've been like, oh, Firefox looks different. Hmm. And that's actually surprisingly complicated to get in there into the audio tag and try to build a custom player from scratch. Yeah. So I just used one. I just have a plugin for it. But the thing was, it was a... It was the only one that I could find. It's like, it's funny when you go and search for plugins and you're like, hey, I want a React audio player. And you're like, okay. So then you start looking at all the options. Yeah, good luck. I've done that exact same search. You good look luck. and you're like, okay, well, here's one that like hasn't been maintained in months. Nope. Like here's one that does this. And the one that I found is kind of complicated, but it works really well. It's a little bit, it's kind of opinionated. I don't know. I haven't used it a ton to like really be able to say that. But like the the way that it's themed is like, it uses Bass CSS, I think, and you can create themes for it using like Bass CSS, uh, like plugin injector. I don't know. Like you can use the the framework to build a theme that you inject into the each of the components. So he was very smart. Like he exported like the player, the play pause button, the um, the time counter, and like the scrubber and the volume bar and all these things separately. So you can use just one or all of them to build a player. 
So it seems pretty cool, but uh, I don't know. I had trouble styling it and I don't know. But I used that because I didn't want to build a player. So I did, there's that component and then what else? Like there's a bunch of Gatsby plugins, but I just, those are just bread and butter of using Gatsby. But that's part, yeah, that's part of being an expert in Gatsby though is understanding the ecosystem with the plugins and what you can and can't do and what you have to build yourself versus what is given to you out of the box. Yeah, so like one of the things I might do is uh, right now the GitHub plugin is a fetch. So it's just in the component that displays the portfolio. You want to separate that out into its own thing? I might make a source out of it. Ooh. Might make a Gatsby source GitHub profile plugin. That would be dope. That's a cool, that's like a really neat contribution because that's something that one, you actually use. Two, you're giving back to a project that you use quite a bit and has allowed you to make some money in your life. And like, that's the dream behind open source is that people, one, build things to fill a need, but also by contributing back to projects that that help them, it's the circle of life. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I think, but there's a lot of other people that... uh, may want to pull in some aspect of their port, their, their GitHub portfolio. Yeah, that makes into. perfect sense. And it's the kind of thing, that's the pattern that Gatsby wants you to use, right? Yeah. You, they want you to use a Gatsby-source-something or other plugin to do things like pull in data from a specific API, control all that configuration from the one true yeah. Gatsby-config file for everything. You know what I've noticed is that that config file is getting really big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's one thing that I've, that I've always found interesting about... Uh, configuration-based things. Like that was the thing with Grunt is that you would end up with this really, really long file and then you could learn to like separate them out into little modules and I kind of did that when I was using it. But, but then even those get crazy. Sometimes, yeah. Even uh, I, there, there's a person that you and I both worked with that used to really, really separate his Grunt concerns out into individual files, but then he'd have kind of this one file that would define the tasks from all these little subfiles from like, YAML templates or something. And mm-hmm. that file in and of itself that defined the task was like super, super long. So there's no getting away from it. No. But yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I've done that in the past where like I've taken little pieces of config and then kind of merged them all together. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but I don't know, just trick stuff like that to like show how I think about things. So I'm going to try to maybe build the, the problem with building the GitHub one and then making it public is that it would have to support GitHub's OAuth so that it doesn't get people to get rate limited. And then it would actually have to work, which doesn't it doesn't seem like it's that hard to make a source. I was looking at the source code for one of them because I was trying to debug the RSS one for one point in time. They're not that long. It was like 30 lines in like yeah, a it seems specific like, way that they set up the plugin. Don't they have like a, not a template, but like a guide on how to I build that, those yeah. source plugins? It's plugins? basically just a, uh, it's a function that gets called with some args. And then in that you have like the config of the plugin is like options dot rule props dot options or whatever. Interesting. I don't know. It's 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 consistent the way those plugins are built. But That's I think cool. that the sources are built differently because you're essentially getting all the data and then transposing it into something that gets returned to GraphQL. And I think GraphQL nowadays doesn't need schemas in the newer version of GraphQL. Like you don't have to, you don't necessarily like have at to, all? you don't have to define them. It figures it out. Which oh. I found to be very uh, problematic sometimes because... Oh, because it's like optimistic about how it figures things or it's like kind of dumb. Or it's dumb. Like it doesn't. Like if a key isn't perfectly defined, it's just missing from the. Like I've noticed that some of the plugins, like the RSS one, it had this like filter where you could pull in custom props, like iTunes colon title, or whatever. Like you could say, "I want the iTunes title," otherwise it wouldn't optimistically grab it. But then if you didn't define it correctly, it would just be missing. So you're like, I've defined in the config that iTunes title would be there, and then you go into the 
the graphical, which I don't know why they haven't upgraded it to playgrounds, but you go into graphical in Gatsby and then you say like, you know, from this particular edge node or whatever, or this particular most, they did, they did a smart thing where it's like they created a query in, in GraphQL for the most recent podcast or a, a entry in the RSS feed. And then they had one that was like all of them. So you could get all the podcasts or the most recent one. But those are the only two options that are built in? There's also a filter. Okay. You can just filter for them. But all three of those are built by default by the plugin, which is pretty cool. That also, not having an actual schema and just having it be kind of dumb and optimistic doesn't seem like a good way to go. I feel like that goes back to the thing you were talking about before with uh, too much magic. Yeah, but the other problem with, with that I've had with GraphQL in the past is that say you were building your your database was in Mongo. So you're already defining a schema. And then you go and you're like, I want to expose that, essentially that schema and that Mongo query set through GraphQL. You had to define the schema again just for GraphQL. Well, the idea behind defining the schema in GraphQL though is that GraphQL in theory should be a subset of whatever schema is coming back from your Mongo, right? Yeah, but if you want to just wholesale return whatever Mongo is returning, you have to write a schema for no reason. It's the same reason why I got mad at TypeScript at one time because... Just because the object was defined, you had to literally, if you wanted to pass it as a typed object and you didn't want to just say like object or whatever the heck the equivalent is in TypeScript, like type TypeScript object, whatever. Just object. Okay, just object. You had to, and you wanted to have like a typed object or a known quantity. So like every part of the program knew what the keys of this object were. Then you have to define like each podcast. key. podcast. Yeah. You had to define every key and you're like, well, I don't really need to because... You, you didn't want to destructure. Oh, so you, want, you wanted it to assume types and keys from a destructured object rather than actually defining it itself. Well, but then that defeats the purpose. It doesn't work, the analogy doesn't work with TypeScript because that wouldn't make any sense, but it does right. work with GraphQL, except for the fact that if GraphQL is generating the schema from the object that it gets from, because you, you know there's a, there's a transformer, a translation layer between like what GraphQL is getting in the back end to what it's presenting to you. Right. At that transition layer, you know what the keys of the object are because right. that's what came back from the source, right? Yeah. But the problem is, is that like at that point, if you were to be like, these particular keys uh, are supposed to exist by defining the schema, and you say like, oh, it's supposed to have an iTunes title, right? And you say iTunes title is a key. In the schema, you can enforce that the the response from the back end. Pretty sure you can do this, but you can enforce that the back end has to have a title, otherwise it'll give you an error at the GraphQL layer. But you want that though. Well, do you? I mean, it's it's sort of like error checking, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, like you're already you're already error checking that in your component on the front end with prop types. Uh, I don't know, just the the, the over redundancy. Because if you think about it, if you're building a Mongo GraphQL system, you're defining the schema on the gra on the Mongo side first because you have to, unless it's like a wildcard object, no, like you a, don't just want a that. document wildcard. So many problems with Mongo. Yeah. Anyway, well, the problems with Mongo is if you don't define types. That's what that's why Mongoose is so good because you can. Yes. You define the types and then you know that this particular object type is going to at least have a null version of every key yes. like SQL does. Yes. If you don't do that, you can like put an object in Mongo that doesn't have a title, put the next one that has a title, the next one doesn't. And you just get madness. So anyways, that's why they have schemas in Mongo, right? So then you'd put the data in the Mongo database, you pull it, it's in GraphQL. And at that point, if you define a schema, that's the second place you define the same freaking schema. And sometimes it's in the same code. But it's not always the same schema, I think. is that's well, That would be my point, but I see what you're saying. If you're controlling the Mongo endpoint, and yeah, sure, there might be some keys from Mongo that you're not returning, like internal IDs or hashed passwords or things like that. You usually drop off at the API layer, right? So you might, in the transformer, you might say, get everything from 
this database query, but then drop off the hashed password, for instance. Like in Laravel, you do that on the model by saying uh, omit keys. There's like a, there's an array prop on the model definition that says omit these keys. But by default, it omits hashed passwords from the user table because they control the user model. Because it's trying to be smart. Well, they, they, you usually extend the, this is getting too much into Laravel, but you extend the Laravel's user model because there's all kinds of traits on it like is loginable or is authentic- authenticatable and all these things. There's all these traits on it. But the point is they wrote the model and they have the default omission keys. So they say, you know, omit the hash password, omit the ID, things like that. So you never want to return to a end user from the user table, right? So if you ever serialize a, mo- a user model, you won't have the hashed password. Right. This is the point I'm trying to make. So like that kind of removal or translation is what you do on the transformer in GraphQL. So you say like, I'm going to call this database query. Mongo's going to give you everything. But at that layer that's still in your back end, you drop off the hashed password. But if you don't do that, you can do that on Mongo too. With Mongoose, you can say, return me everything but this hashed key. Right? So there's still ways, always ways to do it. But you have to do that with a transformer in Mongo. Like an actual Mongoose data transformer, acquisition type thing, whatever. But if you don't have a schema at the GraphQL layer, then it's going to return literally everything that you returned from the model unless you start deleting keys or transforming it in some way. So if you do have keys you need to protect, you're going to have to transform it to remove those keys. But if you wrote a schema of what gets returned from, what is it requestable from GraphQL, you just don't write in the Hashed password. I get that. I think that makes sense in that scenario. The more common example I think that I've seen in the wild of GraphQL is that you've got public function show RSS feed or whatever feed, JSON feed. I'm writing a GraphQL query, bringing back just the episode names mm-hmm. of all the episodes, right? And that's a quote unquote schema in your GraphQL. That's for one thing. And you've got another schema that's give me the whole feed. Well, that's not a schema; that's a query. But yeah, I, I mean, you could. It. I mean, you could do it with a schema. Well, the, the reason why GraphQL knows that you can request the title of the episode is because of the schema. But when you're making the query, you're drop. You're you're not including the title in certain cases, or you are in other cases. Like maybe you don't care about the audio file; you just want all the titles, so you give me all the titles. But either way, or you only care about the audio file, or you only care about the audio file for the player. But keep going with your point. I just want to clarify that it's that's the query that you're doing. Well, I think that my point is that I think it's okay for the schema step in GraphQL to exist because one, the alternative is being dumb and optimistic, which I think is the worst combination of those two traits. And that's what I was experiencing today, right? Because we're in agreement with that. Yeah, no, we are. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, it works, but it's like. There were situations where I would start Gatsby and then I was having trouble with the RSS feed plugin where I had like the the custom keys essentially where it was like you'll go filter so there's a default set of keys that it knows about but if your RSS feed like happens to not be a standard podcast RSS feed where it has the iTunes keys and stuff maybe there's other keys because you know, RSS can be anything right so you would be like I want a custom key so key dot Albert and they would return Albert right but if it can't parse Albert off the source. It's just missing from the schema. So then you go into like graphical and you're like, you hit, you know, command space to get it to autocomplete and there's no Albert. Key. So then you can't tell if it's empty or just not there. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. But that's what happens if you have no schema. Data is important, folks. But I've heard apparently that uh, GraphQL moved towards a situation where it can be schemaless. That doesn't mean you don't have to write schemas. Mm, interesting. But it seems like the way that these transformers in Gatsby are written, they, 
I don't know if they, don't quote me on this, but I don't know if they give you the opportunity to write a schema because they're designed to be like, you go request this data inside of the source and then it returns whatever that data is. But you, you can pick different transformers. You can write a transformer. You can write your own transformers, right? Yeah, yeah. But what they're doing is they're saying, literally all a transformer is, is go make this request and then return it in, a, in an object that Gatsby can then parse and create a GraphQL query and schema out of. So it's saving you time because you don't have to write the schema and you're not actually writing the GraphQL server. You're just writing like essentially a Lambda function in a way on your client that essentially says, within this function block, go request this data that I've defined, whether it's through a library, through a draw, fetch query, whatever it is, and then return it as an object that then Gatsby is going to internally or GraphQL or whatever is going to evaluate all the keys of that object and create you a schema. But I was just having fun because it wasn't returning the title. Because it was being dumb. Well, I don't know. I eventually got it to work and I didn't really change much. It just, I think it was because I was trying to, I could probably create a PR for that or like an issue for this. But if you try to request a key using a custom filter that doesn't exist, the filters don't work. I think was what None was of happening. the filters work? Well, if you write a custom filter for an RSS object and then you say like inside of the iTunes thing, you say, give me Albert, iTunes colon Albert, I think it just defaults back to whatever it does by default. I don't think the filter That's worked. Weird. That's what it appeared to be doing, but I haven't tested it. So There's a whole thing going on with iTunes and their RSS tagging. It's kind of, there's a little bit of a panic because some of the wording around where their announcements recently. Mm. We won't get too much into it. Basically, uh, shout out to Dan Benjamin and Fireside for basically taking care of all that for us for our RSS feed so that you can have a beautiful website, Greg. I don't really know much about... Uh, I mean, I there was a good um, shout out to one of the uh, software engineering dailies that I was going to send to you and then I don't think I did. Oh. There was one of them where there was a guy that works somewhere who cares a lot about podcasts was talking about um, the like the actual hardware software integration slash indexing of feeds. And like, I think they were talking in particularly about Spotify. Was his, did his name start with a mm and end with an Arco, Ar, no. Arco Armit? No, it was... Because that's what, that's who that sounds like. No, it was Software Engineering Daily. But he was talking, no, it was like this guy who was an advocate for podcasts. I don't know, he was talking about, and I'll send it to you. I'll find it. Maybe. What did he sound like? Is he very energetic and hyper? Because I might know who he is off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't know who you're referring to. There's a guy named Merlin Mann that, that, that that's who no, that sounds like. Do you no. know who Merlin Mann is? Uh, he Doesn't he work with Armin? Merlin? Or is that somebody else? Uh, he I think he actually does do a show on Relay with Armin. I know him because he does a show with Dan Benjamin who runs Fireside, which is a, a software and product that we use. Mm. But he is very excited about things. He, he and Dan Benjamin record a show called Back to Work. And they record on Tuesdays. And he is known for saying that Tuesday is the optimistic day. Hmm. Because it's not Monday. That's cool. And it's almost like the actual beginning of your week. Yeah. He's also very energetic and exciting. And he's been in the podcast game for a long time. And he does a lot of shows. So shout out to Merlin, man. We should do a podcast about podcasting. Oh, my goodness. I there, won't really there, do much talking. There are a couple out there. A lot of what I've learned about podcasting, like what I... Because this is one of those things where I kind of go into this rabbit hole and go down the deep end of like trying to figure out everything I possibly can before we get started. There was a show that Ben Benjamin did on his network 5x5 called The Podcast Method. And it was, it's no, it's no longer on because, you know, there's not really anything new in podcasting. But he 
answered a lot of reader questions and feedback and emails about different things about podcasting. Like, what are good mics to use? How do I record both ends of a Skype call? How do I get sponsors? What do I charge for them? What is good mic technique? Things like that. And I learned a ton from those. I learned so much from those. It was like the scene in the first Matrix movie where Trini's like, give me the instructions to fly this helicopter that I've never seen before. And she uploads it to her brain and she knows how to do it. Yeah. It was kind of like that. So that one's one that's out there. There are a couple other ones too, but a lot of them I've seen are very much about how to run a podcast business rather than the actual mechanics of running a podcast. I think that's because running the actual podcast is not terribly hard. Not terribly hard. You just have to have like under $500 of equipment and a computer. Pretty much, yeah. And Fireside because it's dope. Fireside's amazing. Yeah. I don't know if we've harped on it enough. Fireside's great. I think we get great value out of it. it does I mean, it's a really lot of good. Stuff for us. It's really good for the price. You literally just put the files up, and then did you even you even did the iTunes approval through it, right? Or did you have to do that separately? Uh, you can do it either way. They they can either send it through for you, which I've seen other people do it. It works very well. Or I I was I was I think in the process of doing the approval while I was signing up for Fireside. So I think I was those were like parallel streams of work for me for some mm-hmm. reason. But he just actually did a like a little sizzle roll, like a little promo video where he had permission from a very well-known, very large podcast to show kind of what their dashboard looks like. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Goals. Like how many, goals. how many views they get? The, uh, on the metrics page, very first like tile on the metrics page is total downloads. That thing had two commas in it. Let's just say that. Hmm. Yeah. It was, it was definitely goals. But I, I, for a fact, know that there are a couple of very large, well-known podcasts that are on there. Um... A lot of the Jupiter Broadcasting shows are on Fireside pages. Jupiter Broadcasting is run by a guy named Chris Fisher. They do a lot of kind of... He's a very big into the Linux community. So he's run... He used to run a show called the Linux Action Show, which was like the... The Linux, Linux Action Show. Well, it was the Linux podcast for a long time, but they kind of shut it down and then split it off into more focused shows. Like they, So they now they have Linux Action I have news. a new goal for you. What's that? You should start the Linux Action Network. No, because... Yeah, it could be the Linux no. Action Network. Because that's kind of what Jupiter Broadcasting is. Already. You know what that is? That's, that's LAN. Yeah, there's no... Like, the, the SC on that would be terrible. How would you possibly People do have that? forgotten that local area networks exist. You might be able to pick it up cheap. Linux News Network, LNN. Ooh. Oh, God. LNN.dev, LNN.show, LNN.fm. I know, I have been bouncing around ideas for, like, if we ever started a podcast network... Because you can't call it the same name as a show because that would be weird. You'd have to have like come up you'd have to come up with a name for it. Yeah. This is my hot take for the this is my hot take for the podcasting thing. I think Gimlet is a dumb name. Hmm. It doesn't really Gimlet's mean a, anything. Gimlet's a terrible name. I mean, it's not like one, people don't know what a gimlet is. I don't know what it even means. It's actually an alcoholic beverage. It's a cocktail that's made with, I think, vodka. Or no, it's not a cocktail. It's the it's like a tiny little glass that you make a cocktail in. Did you ever think of the name over drinks? I don't know. Well, he had the show. So he had a podcast called Startup, which is about him trying to sell Gimlet Media as a thing to get investment. Mm -hmm. And it was basically him bumbling through this. But I mean, he's a guy who has a background at freaking NPR. And so he knows how to put together an audio format show. And that was kind of a lot of the reason why his shows took off. Right. Mm But he, he was able to build an entire media network out of it. Yeah, it's sold your it for a bazillion dollars to Spotify. That's what your goals are. I don't want to sell to Spotify. I would I would like to 
I think it would be interesting to run as a business. I just think it'd be interesting to have multiple shows. I don't I need to be, be on all of them, but you, you should have a sports show. <laughs> you should have a sport. I'll be on the sports show. I'll just be in the back like, really guys, sports, really? Sporting? Come on. We could do one. We, we've tossed around a couple ideas. Gaming? I think one specifically on gaming. Yeah, gaming, sports. One specifically on sports. I think that's pretty much all I got right now that would actually be I, good. I have a couple ideas for some other ones. I think one of them would be the Linux network. Kind of a little bit shorter, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And I would probably do it solo. I don't want to say the name of I don't want to say the idea because I, the, people will probably do it, but the I, Linux Action Network. Linux No, no, that's like his <laughs> thing. He they, Chris Fisher, shout out to him. He's been in the game for a long time. I learned a ton about Linux just from listening to the Linux Action Show and some other shows. He has one called Coder Radio that he does with uh, a guy named Mike Dominic, who is a software consultant. And I've learned a lot from that show. Um, he has a show called BSD Now. There's one called TechSnap. There's one about system admin, all kinds of stuff. So their network is, they've been in the game for a long time. They've done a ton of shows, tons of episodes. I think Coder, Coder Radio, which is one that I listen to, is on like 300 some odd episodes. That's crazy. Which is crazy. I don't like... If we ever hit like 100 episodes, I'd be so, so happy. We got to talk less to hit 100. <laughs> We're almost out of topics. We don't have to necessarily talk about topics we just every spent, single week. We just spent an hour talking about what is not the topic for tonight. Well, that's fine. We're going to use that one next week, I think. But That's fine. But, yeah, the, but you know, this is, this is so the other content. thing that... Well, this is the other thing that I read about podcasts is that podcast is not necessarily... The, the allure and the value that people get out of podcasts is not necessarily the subject material. It might start with the subject material, but the thing that gets people in is the personalities. And I have a personality? The, the feeling of kind of <laughs> just hanging out with Greg and Albert. Yeah. Hang, like hanging loose with Greg and Albert. On the Linux Action Network. On the Linux Action Network. Or so, <laughs> well, we can't, I, I don't know if we should be saying that because somebody might have that copyrighted, but that's the idea behind it. You're just kind of hanging out with two guys that talk about dev sometimes or talk about podcasts sometimes or talk about freaking destiny sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun. It's kind of what eating lunch at your office is like. Kind of what like a car, long car ride with your friends is like. That's the appeal. That's the appeal behind it. So here's, here's a little bit of a last question to end our podcast topic. How many podcasts are you currently subscribed to in your chosen podcast player? Oof. Subscribe to or actually listen to? No, subscribe to. Subscribe this is, to? Uh, is there, I want to know specifically because... The ratio for me, and I think I've noticed this recently, is that the ratio of episodes that I actually listen to to the number of podcasts I have subscribed to is extremely low. Mm. It's extremely, extremely low. I would say that I'm probably subscribed to like 50. And what the amount, I mean, I drive a lot. So I you listen to a lot. A lot. Yeah. Uh, I probably listen to on, I would say like 12 to 15 of them regularly. How long are these episodes? I mean, they vary a, a lot, ATP right? ATP is like an hour 50. Oh, uh, Destiny Community Podcast is like two hours. DCP? DCP. Do they call it that? Yeah. We don't have a cool, we don't have a cool acronym for ours. LAN. PFS. Anyways, uh, yeah, I listened to Destiny Community. That one's pretty new. I found that one and I just, they don't really ever talk about Destiny a lot. They actually sometimes talk about Anthem. They talk about weird stuff. They talk about all kinds of things. Well, so it's kind of like one of those variety ones. People contain multitudes. It's fine. Yeah, but you know, I would I would like just a little bit. I guess there's not a lot to talk about, but I would like a little bit more Destiny. Like they they do they go over like you know Twitter questions and they go over uh you know the weekly uh, twabs the this week at Bungie thing. So That's I don't a know. thing. That's a thing they do one every week. 
Um, yeah, they do that. And then uh, what I say, I listen to ATP. I listen to the Trevor Noah show. Actually, the uh, the Daily Show has a podcast form of the show. That's really good. Just listen to that on the drive-in. So I don't, I don't have time to watch the actual TV show. So I get all my Daily Show from the podcast. And I listen to like things like uh, Software Engineering Daily occasionally. That you know when a topic interests me because there's literally an hour one every day. So by different people and they're all really good. It's that just, that output from them is just still to this day as well. Well, they have me. more than one interviewer and they have like a whole team. Oh, uh, see, that's okay. not always the same guy. Yeah, I was listening to one today. Uh, I think it was Shop Talk. I don't know, but they were talking to Evan Yu from View. Oh, like nice. Directly to him about View Three and like where he sees it what going. Do, what do you think about Evan Yu? He sounds very smart. I thought you had a different opinion of him before. No, I've never. am I calling you out? No, oh, okay. No, I've always liked View. I, I have. Uh, no, I mean him specifically. Haven't you had to do some open source dealing with him? Haven't you have to no. open source uh, with him? Well, I mean, okay. So <laughs> one time early on, I did have to. I did was talking to him once about like in GitHub about a particular issue with uh, CSS modules. I think it was or something, or the way that it would compile CSS modules and. His response, I think, was fair for given when he was like at that time was when he was like he was getting very very big. This was yeah, this was when like, right Vue in the middle was of that getting very big traction. Yeah, and he was still responding to every ticket himself. So I would imagine, you know, going back to the open sourcer topic we did, where we talked about like you know the etiquette of of working on an open source project, he was very short, but he wasn't rude. But that's understandable. I think you're referring to a different conversation with a different open source team. No, I where they I know the one rude. that you're talking about there, but I thought that something similar happened with Evan Yu. No, so I guess not. So Evan Yu is cool. Not, I don't know. Evan Yu gets a thumbs up. Yeah, he seemed. I maybe I did. You know, I lament about a lot of things, but I don't actually care. I did not catch that episode of Shop Talk, so maybe maybe it wasn't Shop up. Talk. I don't know, my phone is over by you. Um, I should probably correct it. Yeah, throw the iPhone. Good job. Uh. Let me see. It's still, it's the one I'm listening to. Yeah, Shop Talk. Shop Talk Show. Uh, episode 350. Maintaining Vue.js with Evan Yu. That's amazing. Yeah. I apparently am not subscribed to Shop Talk in my current... There you go. Now you got 655. Well, I, I switched podcast players recently, like a few months ago. To what? I was using one called Podcast Addict. Yeah, now, now you're using PCAS? Now I'm using Pocket Cast. Yeah, the one true Pocket. Well, I mean, according to our download numbers, it's not. What's our What's our number one? I've never talked to you about analytics. What's our number Apple one? Apple Podcast by far. Oh, that's the given. Not even close. That's, yeah, that's the given one. But it's I mean, not even of, close. of the well, downloadable ones, what do you? I could sh- I could show it to you. Wait, let me. No, I, we're no, recording. Let me, pull up. let me pull it up. Hold on, I have it on my phone. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I mean, of course, iTunes is going to be the number one Apple Apple podcast, and then sure, it's not going to be up there. But, but I'm saying it's like the one true one, like it works. Well, for explain us. to me this: is Apple Podcast its own app on iOS? Yeah, and you're such an Android person. By the way, the S10 looks dope. S10 does look amazing. I want the fold. Oh my goodness! I don't want to. I don't even look at the fold. I want the one. I want the. I kind of want the fold. I didn't even look at it. It looks. It looks pretty. Do- oh, I want man. the plus one with the two cameras on the front. Ooh, I that one looks cool. I don't know what it is about the fold, but just the idea of having something that big that I can use in my hands and just move my hands all over it. All right, let's stop this. <laughs> Jeez. No, I don't know what it is. I think the fold is an amazing concept. The fact that I can fold I, up yeah. a giant 
essentially a tablet-sized phone in my pocket and carry it around. That sounds amazing to me. I'm a big phone person, so maybe that's it. But I can hold it like a book. I can hold it flat. I, I don't know. I, I think it's dope. I didn't look at it at all. But the S10 looks pretty cool. S10 does look really good. I think it was the S10 Plus or whatever. Yeah, there was a there was another podcast that I was listening to. Uh, I don't remember which one it was because I listened to a lot of them. It might have been Download or Upgrade, one of them. But they were talking about... They, I think they were asking Jason Snell. So I think it's Mike Hurley, Jason Snell. I think it was Upgrade. Down, no, it wasn't Download, it was Upgrade, I think. But he was asking him whether or not he thought that Apple... It was a really interesting question, but he said, what what are the odds or what is the practicality or the reason or the um, likelihood that Apple is going to take a hit in sales long-term because they're focusing so much on face ID so that they can't get rid of the notch, which Samsung already did with the pinhole. They don't have as good of facial recognition, but they do have the in-screen fingerprint because yeah. they make all the screens and they can do that. But they have the in-screen fingerprint, which is supposed to their version of the in-screen on the S10 is as accurate as the other methods, and it's even more accurate than the other ones that are in-screen. So it's good. Yeah. The S10's one is like well-considered. But then they have that plus uh, facial recognition. But the, you have a choice. You can either use the fingerprint, which is more secure, I think, than the, the non-Apple dot matrix shooting the dots all over your face version of Face ID. I think that I would rather have the thumbprint. But the cool thing about the S10 is it has both. Yeah. So it allows the user, it gives, no, the, user gives the, the choice to choose. Do you want the crappier face face ID or do you want to use fingerprints? It's actually Imagine good. that. It's Imagine nice. that. Whatever. All right. So I've got well, some, I got I was some gonna data say one more thing. I was finishing that thought. Oh, oh finish that thought. Do you it. weren't listening. The users were, but you weren't. Listeners I was were. listening. Users. <laughs> the listeners. Surfers. Anyways, they were saying that, you know, he was asking him like, what is the likelihood that uh, Apple is going to lose favorability, whatever, based on the screen technology if they're the last person to get rid of the notch because they're so, once Apple chooses the technology like Face ID, they're so stuck on it that they yep. won't get rid of Face ID until like something insanely, they do something insanely better. Or pride. I think it's, it's sometimes it's just, I don't know. I'm not gonna well, it's, a, it's the same thing with the keyboards and the MacBooks. We can move on. I've well, made this they, point a hundred times. But the point is that they, they, feel that the that the technology is better, more secure, whatever, so they stick with it. But at the same time, if Samsung actually does do, maybe they work with Google and they make facial recognition that's actually in camera and just as accurate from some crazy algorithm than it's faster. It's faster, whatever. In 10 years, they figure this out. And with one camera, they can do facial recognition that's better than Apple's dot thing. But at that time, they're still using a notch because they don't want to get rid of the dot thing. Because Apple's probably not going to be the first one to build... Like when they tried to build facial, rec facial recognition, they didn't do it with really crazy AI. They did it with the dots. Yeah, that's, a th that's the kind of thing that it will be a technology that they will always be behind a Google. Yeah. And also in, in some senses, a Samsung as well because they do the hardware. So yeah. Or they could be ahead because they make the hardware. Who knows? Something I mean, like so that. does Google. But So does know. Google. Okay. Got, yeah. some, got some user agent data for us. Apple Podcasts by far. How many listens did we have last week? Last What's the week? podcast that had the you most the, listens? The one that has the most actual listens for us? Like in the given week. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, but like, the, which one so, was the most popular? And what was the number? I would say the most popular episode for us so far, I would say has been episode four, Year of the Dog. It was 205 total listens. 
But mm-hmm. it's also been out for almost three months. And then the second most popular one after that was Everything is C, which is the one right after. Those were both over Those are both around the holidays. Those are both around the holidays. Those were both uh, over 200 listens each. Which that doesn't sound like a huge number, but I was super happy when I saw that. And we're not advertising anything. We only have only told our friends. We've only told our friends. We can and then it's on... You, you know, know what is interesting that I found that has been something very consistent is that we actually have more listens outside of the United States than we do in U.S. states outside of California. You know, that's what's interesting is that people always people always say things like that, like in the movie industry or whatever. They're like, well, we have more we have more views in the world than we do in the United States. And it's like, well, yeah. There's a lot more people. There's a lot more. There's 370 million people in the United States and there's the rest of the world outside the rest of the world. I harp on our Swedish listeners a lot, but we literally have more listeners in Sweden than we do in like Montana. Yeah. It's amazing. So shout out to all of our international listeners. We love every single one of you. All right. User agent statistics. Apple podcast by far. What's the number? Percentage. Percentage is... Well, so here's the thing. These percentages are off a little bit because when I was originally doing proof of concept for the Public Function Show website, I was using the audio tag. This actually takes us back to what you were talking about with the audio oh, tag. Oh, man. What'd you do? There's a thing. There's an attribute in there called preload. That's what yeah. preload does. I don't know. I, I just put this on my player as preload auto is what I did. So, what so guess wrong? what that's going to do? Wow. That's going to try to actually hit the MP3 URL. Guess what that does? Gives you a hit. Counts as a hit. Yeah. Guess what you do over and over and over when you're diving a new site? Hitting it. Refreshing it over and over. So I'm screwing up your lead counts. I, I've already screwed up our lead counts. Don't worry. I've done like 14 so, refreshes. So what I mean by that is that the, the, the percentages are way off, right? Because you can just look at this and say, really, our second leading user agent is Chromium? Yeah, I wonder who that is. That's me. On Linux. On Ubuntu specifically. That's all me. That doesn't. So I don't count that one. But just to kind of go out on the list, Apple Podcasts is, is number one. Chrome, number two. But that could be me from today. But that's desktop Chrome. That's mobile iOS Chrome. I would ignore all... Like, what about apps? Because those are the ones you know someone's listening. So the apps... So the apps... uh, Overcast is actually ahead of Pocket Cast. Mm, There you go. Not by much, but a little bit. It's funny. I have an iOS and I listen... An iOS device and I listen to Mark Roman on multiple podcasts. I don't use Overcast. There's also one called CastBox. I have subscribed to Overcast in the past. Like, I've paid money for it. Oh, really? Yeah, I just... um, I mean, we have a we have a link on our website to yeah, I saw us that. on Overcast. So, I mean, we're I basically put those links on there so that anybody, whatever their preferred platform is, I don't care what, however yeah. you get your podcast, as long as you listen to us, I'm appreciative of that. So yeah, that to me is really interesting. We have a lot of people that listen in browser. Hmm. So I think I find that super interesting as well. So uh, shout out to all those people who listen to the podcasts. Yeah, I like Pocket Cast a lot. It's the first one that I've used uh, that I've paid for. The reason why I used Pocket Cast early on was because it had it had a website that you mm. could go to and you could organize your podcast there. But what I really wish that it would do that I don't think it does and still, I don't know, I haven't looked in a while, but I really wanted it to be a site where I could organize the playlist for the drive. So like I could be at work and be like, what am I going to listen to for like the next, the, this drive? I could like set them up and be ready to go. But it wasn't that. It was just a player. <laughs> so yeah. I like paid money for the they had like a either a donate thing or like you pay f- one time for the website access and I paid for it for Pocket Cast which kind of locked me into using Pocket Cast because then I paid for it and whatever um, and Marco I don't think has I think he has a web player 
but I don't think he has any intention to allow you to like command mode your Overcast experience from a website. No, I don't think so. But Pocket Cast on Android is really nice. It's very material design. The UI is great. It looks amazing. Um, noticeably better than the free apps that I was using before. So I think it was totally worth it. Uh, so I've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, has a very nice integration with Android Auto. Listens to my voice when I tell it what oh, to do. What's that like? Because you know I don't have. You don't have. You don't. You don't have Android Auto. Well, I don't. I have. You don't, I don't have, have CarPlay. You don't have, you don't have CarPlay on your phone. You have to have a head unit that supports it. Wait, what? Yeah, you can't. It doesn't like use. One of the cool things about Android Auto is it. It works. You can run it off your phone. On the phone. Which is perfect. This is exactly what you want. And it uses Google Maps by default, right? Yeah. And I can talk to it. Yeah. So when I go in a car and my phone connects to the car, all it does is it goes into like Siri card mode where it's like it shows a little car and it does the same things. Yeah, but and it's Siri not, it's not the full-blown CarPlay. No. No, I have the full-blown Android Auto on my phone. And here's the thing. I don't even have to turn it on. You could have it. You, you can have uh, a what's called a, like a trusted device like a Bluetooth connection mm-hmm. where you can assign essentially a routine for what your car does or what your phone does when you connect to a particular device. So for example, if I connect my watch to my phone, it gives me the option to say, hey, do you want to stay unlocked as long as your watch is connected to your phone? Right? Yeah, That's an example. That on, they have that on the watch. I don't have to the, make a setting though. the thing with Android and Android Auto is that you can say, if you connect to this particular Bluetooth device, which is in this case your car, turn on Android Auto automatically. Hmm. You can also have it have set a routine where it can say like, Turn on Android automatically, play public function latest episode, set navigation to this destination. Yeah. Literally without having to touch the phone at all. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, right? One of the things I've really enjoyed about, and we're going a little over on time. That's fine. Eight minutes. But um, one of the things I've really enjoyed about iOS 12 is they have Siri shortcuts. They're a little bit limited right now, but I can really, like, it's interesting that they've, like, enabled that kind of automation because it's not... I've had an Android phone and you can literally automate anything. With IFTTTT? Well, no, that one is limited. It can only do certain things. It's only it's limited by what it can connect to. Oh, yeah. that that That's something that's changed quite a bit over the last couple of years where the the APIs for native stuff on the phone has, have been opened up quite a bit. Yeah. So what they did on the iOS devices is they bought... Um, what was it called? It was called... Uh, no, it was uh, it was an, it was Automator. It was not Automator. That's the Apple one. It was I can't believe I don't remember the name of it because well I didn't use it. That's why I don't remember the name. But they bought a program, uh, an app that would allow you to manipulate the iOS URL queries that you can pass between apps. Oh, so it could kind of like start to automate passing data between apps through like a URL query, but you could only pass what could fit in a query because it was literally a URL situation that controlled the ability to switch between apps and like pass data between them. So you could say like. You know, from this app, open ways using a URL query that's like app colon colon ways whatever, and then you could do uh, question mark location equals home or whatever. That's pretty neat. So they've always had that on iOS, but what that app did is it kind of strung all those things together to where you could start to automate things on your phone through that. So what Apple did is they bought that company, of course, and then everybody was like, "Oh my god, they're going to kill it or do nothing with it," and then about two years later. It's part of iOS 12. I was about to say, I feel like you've been telling me about this feature for the last two years. Yeah, because it's been... I feel like you tried to show me this when we first started talking about Philips Hue bulbs, literally two years ago. Possibly. But what they did is that they made it so that Siri Shortcuts, which is the new version of that same exact app, has first-class integration with apps. 
So apps can write shortcuts, essentially is what they call them, where not only is it a URL that passes to it, it can actually be like a whole action system. That's interesting. That's very, that seems very out of the norm. It is. For iOS. It's very out of the norm for Apple. But what they did is they made it this feature that is kind of transparent to the user. So if you're a power user, you can string together apps using these automation shortcuts. So anyways, they do these things where you have to request these actions, right? So part of it is that the shortcuts have to request the same, they have to request similar permissions through the shortcuts so that only certain apps can request other apps to do certain things. And they can expose generic functionality within the app, but they can't access underlying like, a shortcut can't tell another app to take a photo. So one app cannot access another app's data. No. It, it, it can, can't even ask for it? It can't even ask for it. Okay. It, can, it can tell another app to do something, which that app can then tell that app to do something. If you're integrating an OAuth flow through Facebook, app A can tell Facebook to authenticate you with a certain set of parameters, be like, I'm this app and I want to be authenticated. And then Facebook will ask the user, do you want this app to authenticate? And then it can pass back a token to the other app. I mean, my only exactly how OAuth works. I, I think that's great for interoperability and the usability of the iOS. Greg, let's let's move on to something more fun. Do you have a pick for us this week? Do you want me to go first, like usual? What is a podcast that you like to listen to? Can you pick a podcast? Because my, my pick is a podcast. Do you, do you want no, your pick? No, I have to be a, a pick. I have a pick okay, that I thought pick? of. Do you want to tell us the pick or no? No, you go first now. You want me to, okay. So we've been talking about podcasts a little bit. Uh-huh. So I'm going to pick a podcast. It's called The Geek Digest. It's actually a friend of mine. His name is Will, but he goes by Zafod. He's a Twitch streamer. He does a podcast with another Twitch streamer who goes by Victoria Shaz. They are not full-time streamers, but they are heavy into the stream game. Like last episode, they were talking about... Uh, Will was talking about just coming off a 12-hour stream. So they are very heavy into the streaming streaming game, but they talk all things games and they're super into it. And I learn a ton from listening to them. They very clearly have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, they have a lot of great opinions and topics. So I will leave a link to that in the show notes. Definitely check them out. They are relatively new. Only had like, I think four or five episodes maybe, but they've been doing a really good job with it and I've been enjoying it. So shout out to The Geek Digest. Greg, what's your pick? My pick is Will Smith as the genie in the new Aladdin movie. I think it's going to be dope. I think it's going to be terrible. He looks real good. No, he doesn't. He looks great. No, he doesn't. It's going to be a great movie. No, he doesn't. Yeah, it is. No, he doesn't. Robin Williams is just too much. There's you know no, what? There's no Hot reason. Take. Hot there's take. no reason for the, the genie to be anthropomorphic. This, the point of the genie mm-hmm. is that he is not human. Hot take. It's specific. I got a hot take. Will Smith's going to be a better genie. There's no way. There's no way. Robin Williams, just his voice matches the mannerism and the character of Genie so closely that that image of who and what the Genie is can never be broken by anyone, especially in live action. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. I think he looks real good. I don't think so. He just looks like somebody like, he just looks like Will Smith and somebody sneezed on him. (laughs) Blue sneeze? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I actually Willy don't, Wonka, I don't think it's going to be a good, Willy, good show movie at all. W- Will, Will Smith Wonka. Mm. Willie Smith Wonka. That's all. That's what he looks like. Uh, this, uh, I don't know. Greg, if somebody wanted to gift you something really cool in Destiny, like a skin or something, how would they get in touch with you? They can't. They can't at all? No. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to try to get in touch with Greg, he's at Gregorski on Twitter. 
I'm at Al Park on Twitter. The show is at a public function. We are also on the internet at publicfunction.show. Listen to all of our episodes there. Let's look at all of our show notes there. All of our picks and all of the things that we talk about are on there. I think this is the part where we're also supposed to ask for reviews on iTunes because that's the thing that people on podcasts do. I'd be a fan if y'all did that. That'd be great. You know what? If you leave a if you leave a review for our show on iTunes, we will read it on air. All of them. As many as, many as come in between now and, and the next time we record. So we'll read them. Greg, you got to read some too. Is that okay? Sure. If we have two, we'll, we'll like split them evenly. Like if you read half of them and I'll read half of them. How's that? Sounds amazing. That's cool. Greg, anything else you want to follow us up on? Nope. Don't think so. Okay, cool. Greg, see you next week. Do you want me typing on your keyboard, though, on your computer? I mean, I don't care. What are you going to do? I've had my new MacBook Pro for a little over two weeks now, and I have some gripes. I'm, I'm actually waiting for the 16-inch. I actually really want to see what the 16-inch If it's not good, like. they're done. They're done for me. I'm going to get a Linux computer. Really? Yeah, I might. Like, like, like a straight like, like a time, 76 Linux computer or like a no, Dell no, no, Sputnik? No, I'm like a laptop. Like a Dell Sputnik. I don't know what that is. The Dell Sputnik is the, they take the XPS line, the 13 and the 15, and they uh, send it preloaded with Ubuntu. They call it Sputnik. You may also see it referred to as developer edition. Is it actually any, is it worth it? It's the same exact hardware, it just doesn't have Windows, essentially. Hmm. I kind of like Windows. I don't know. I'll just get Linux and install it. That's fine too. But you also save a little bit of money because you don't have to pay for the Windows license. I don't care. I don't know. Uh, the The machine that we're currently using to record this on is kind of a little bit long in the tooth. It works well for single purpose things, but it's definitely not powerful enough to be a do-all, end-all mobile machine. Your font's all screwed up on your time up there. It says Monday, March 4th, and that's not good. Not good. Not good text representation. Today's not Monday, March 4th? No, I just mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what day it is, but... The text in the bar is not very clear. Well, that's because I made the bar super, super small. It's probably smaller than it. It's smaller than default. Because on my laptops, I want the top panel, the top bar, to take up as few pixels as possible to give me more vertical real estate. Hmm. It's a preference. Well, it's a thing. I know it's something that you haven't had to think about, but it's something I think about. My Mac just works. And, you know, my but Linux you hate computer. It. You know, I actually was able to update my Linux computer. I oh, to, yeah? I had to do it from the terminal. What did you update to? It was 1804.4. So I don't know. Whatever the next one is. The one they're on right now is 1804.2. That's what I think it was. So probably updated from there. So you're all good? It even updated the NVIDIA drivers. It updated Grub. So it got rid of that problem where it would freeze because you couldn't type before the graphics cards Ooh, could load. That's fixed. That's good. So now it just shows the budgie loading screen. Very nice. The whole time. Do you know which version of the NVIDIA driver it loaded for you? 390. I think 390 is the last stable, I believe. So I am an idiot and I have the like the advanced beta PPAs, which historically have been shown to even the most, even even the most uh, 
beta versions of the driver that make it into that repository are still pretty stable for most use cases. So I think I'm on 4.10 or 4.15. I can't remember. That's crazy. And that's so Which many says numbers. It, 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 sounds like it's, it sounds like it's way further what it's actually not. I think it goes 390, 395, 401 for some reason, and then 4.10 and then 4.15. So you're only probably like two or three point releases behind. Which is fine because I think the 390 is actually the official stable release. Like if there's a a uh, distro that gets shipped today, it probably gets shipped with 390. So I think you're good. Have you seen any effect on your frame rates playing games on Linux? What, I mean, what crickets? <laughs> what kind? What do you think I'm playing on Windows or Linux? What do you think? I mean, you can you can literally play any of your almost any of your Steam games uh, on Steam in Linux with Proton. Which game can you not play? On Steam? All those weird Activision ones? I don't know. Blizzard? All those. What game do I play like every day? (laughs) All those weird Blizzard ones? Uh, There are ways to actually load, uh, like load Battle.net in Linux, but it's not as straightforward as Steam. Dude, they will ban you. They ban people for like so many things. Well, they've also said, sorry, that was literally the stuff we talked about in our first episode of this podcast. There's people that have been banned for. You know what? That's, Weirder that's things. poor behavior. That's really I don't know. They they do whatever they want to do. I that's don't know. That's true. I want to keep playing. I've invested that's a lot true. of time into it. That's true. What what would it take for you to move on to like the next game? Right? Because mm. every every game that you get super into, you eventually your love affair with that game eventually runs it runs its course. What would it get for the next game to? Catch well, I mean, eye? if you think fundamentally, what Destiny is is just a it's a really good shooter game with good physics and good shooting, good gunplay. It's just fun to play. So if they keep adding content, I'll keep playing it. But if they stop adding content, then maybe I won't play it. So no other game could possibly catch your eye like Red Dead? No, I definitely do want to play Red Dead, but how long am I going to play it for? There's an, there, isn't there an online like multiplayer gonna, mode? I'm not going to know. You can make gangs that. and stuff. That sounds fun, but no. no. like rob a stagecoach or something. I mean, that might be fun for like one weekend, get a bunch of friends and rob a stagecoach. If Anthem ever gets its act together, maybe no, play that. No, that game is trash. Have you tried Apex Legends yet? I have downloaded it, have not played it, no. They hit 50 million users last week. I saw that. That's nuts. It looks really fun. It's basically, Apex Legends is basically Destiny as a battle royale. That game's been out for 14 minutes. Yeah, but it has the the three classes with the supers. And it has the same key bindings as Destiny. You have grenades, you have actions, you have super ability. It's the same game. We all know how important the key bindings are to you. No, no, I just mean like it has the same level, the same amount of skills. It's the same style of it's game. It's the same kind of game like as uh, as um, Overwatch and Destiny. They have the same kind of like you have V for a super and G for grenade and C for melee. It it's hits the all the game. same dopamine receptors that Destiny does for you. I don't know. Destiny doesn't really have the dopamine receptors. It's more of just the the amount of like collecting of things is really fun. Collecting weapons, getting different guns with different perks and all that is pretty fun. This mic is very, it's like right here where it sounds good. Yeah. This is what I've been trying to teach no, you. No, but I'm not here. No. See how mine is off I'm axis? I'm on the side. This uh, helps you avoid the plosives. So all the air that comes out from your plosives. But now that I'm, now I'm breathing on it. Uh, can't win them all. Don't breathe on the microphone. I'm going to have to edit that out. Luke. What is what is a a famous part of that series where he like has to talk to someone else? And what is what are the other person's lines? Destiny or no Darth? 
Mr. Vader. Oh, I don't know. I mean, which one? The old one? The new ones? Or Any the old of one? them. Where he's actually Darth Vader. I think there's like the scene where the only time he ever really talks is when he has to like strangle the dude with the force and he's like, says something like, uh, don't estimate the power of the force. But he, what, my point neck. is that he is extremely quotable. So quotable to the point where everybody else that's in a scene with him is completely forgotten about. Is essentially second place. Except for Luke. Well, what did Luke say when he says, Luke, I am your father? No! I mean, didn't he like fall off and had his hand cut off? No, he, he had his hand cut off, but it was hanging on by it. He was hanging on and he just kind of left him there. He was just like holding his hand like a little, well, I mean, what you would do if your hand gets cut and he off. He just said, I could end you, but he, he, this is what Vader was thinking. I don't know. I'm a weird tangent. Yeah. 